Yo, 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 welcome back to the Walk It Talk It podcast. I'm your boy, your host, Xavier Walker, and we got another fire guest for you guys today, and we are bringing on Anna Maltez, and I want to bring her on here because I've been seeing her story over social media, and I think it's absolutely incredible. So I want to bring her on, have you guys hear her story, and have me hear her story, because I haven't heard the full thing, but it looks crazy. So make sure y'all enjoy this episode, and let's get into it, baby. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Walk it like I talk it. Hey. Hello. Hello, we are live. How are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing, thank you. That's good, that's good. So I like to ask every guest on this podcast this very question. So I want to ask you, on a scale from 1 to 10, where is your mental health and where is your physical health? My mental health, I would like to rate it at a 9. And my physical health, I would rate it at a ten. Okay, okay. I think I'm, yeah. <laughs> both of those, no, both of those are high scores. So you want to go go into that a little bit? Yeah. So which one do you should I begin with? Physical health. You could you could start off with uh, mental. Okay, mental health. So for a long time, I actually did struggle with depression and anxiety, and. It consumed me most of the time. You know, I would be sad a lot. I would let that influence my day-to-day thing. And slowly I found ways that helped me because for everyone it's different what you need in your life to help you fight your depression and anxiety or your stress. So for me, it's been incorporating a healthy diet into my day-to-day life, exercising daily, uh, communicating with God, my spiritual health has really helped me with my mental health and as well as community, surrounding myself with positive people, people that um, influence me to become better and having that sense of community around has really helped me with my mental health and I feel like I am at the best I have ever been in a really, really long time and physical health, well, I am actually a dietitian, so for me, it's I prioritize eating healthy and always getting enough fruits and veggies into my diet. Uh, I call it the rainbow. And also just exercising daily and even on my rest days, having active rest days. So physical, I am also at the best point I have ever been in my life. No, nah, that's what's up. That's what's up. So what made you become a dietitian? Uh, you know, it's actually gone (laughs) i would like to say i didn't have the intention to study another career but i met someone who actually put that little seed into my life she kind of made a comment hey why don't you why aren't you a dietitian i think you'd be really great at it and so i she planted that seed right and so Mm -hmm. it takes one person to plant a seed and i truly believe that god sometimes sends just people into your life for that same purpose oh yeah what i know and i And so with that, I started looking into it more and she encouraged me and I went back to school and I'm about to graduate here in May after five years. So I'm very, very excited. I didn't know it was something I wanted to do, but as soon as I started my first day, I fell in love with the career. I fell in love with helping others and helping others reach their fitness goals or health goals of children, adults, and elderly. So I thank God, you know, because it wasn't something I had planned for my life, but sometimes life just works in that in those crazy ways. It really does. Here I, here I am now. No, I feel that. So earlier you spoke on, you know, you're battling some depression. So I want to ask you this question. How important is mental health to you? And extremely important. I think that mental health, is just as important as physical health because sometimes you know as of a couple years they define health as a state of well-being not only physically but mentally and spiritually so they all weigh the same right right it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're physically healthy but if your mental health is neglected then you have no health so mental health is extremely extremely important and i think sometimes we neglect it even stress like sometimes we don't consider stress as a mental health war or barrier but it is you know how we deal with stress on a day-to-day basis like can affect us a lot and we see it in our in our 
uh, and how we develop ourselves throughout the day. Sometimes we're more tired. Sometimes where we don't hold conversations as well. Sometimes we don't retain information. So your mental health weighs a lot on your physical health too. Like even stress, like stress, you feel it in your body. Sometimes your back is hurting, your neck is hurting. Facts. So I think that mental health is extremely important and that it should be considered as important as your physical health as well. I 100% agree with you on that, 100%. Mm-hmm. So back to your dietitian so give me a day-to-day type of thing of what you do for a dietitian okay so right now i'm currently working in los angeles at white memorial hospital and so my day-to-day basis i wake up every day with prayer like i mentioned my spiritual health has helped me a lot with everything else in my life so mm-hmm. i wake up i dedicate 30 minutes of my morning to prayer to scripture to worship music to kind of give me that that sense of i'm gonna have a great day i'm gonna make today amazing you know encouragement and i start work i eat my breakfast obviously my balanced breakfast which usually includes fruits Uh, i like to do my fruits in the morning and my protein whether it's egg whites or eggs and my carbs so like potatoes or whatever i eat in the morning and then and then i go to work i i do my work which consists of consulting patients right now i deal with all types of patients uh, from diabetic to cancer patients to renal failure patients uh, high cholesterol high blood pressure so i see all types of different patients throughout the day and depending on their needs both i evaluate and see what they need and usually right after work, I will go to the gym. Uh, I, For the gym, I like to do strength training. So I like to lift weights. I think it's one of the best exercises to do to relieve stress. And on some days I'll do cardio. After that, I'll have a lunch, which usually is, I get my veg- vegetable intake for lunch. So I'll do a really huge salad, a colorful salad mm-hmm. with all types of vegetables and I'll have either chicken, salmon, rice type of thing. And then I will do work, catch up on work. You know, as a dietitian, work doesn't just stop once you're out of work. <laughs> no, yeah. It, it, comes, it, it, it comes home with you. So I'll do some more work and then I'll do dinner and I like to read too. So I'll usually do my reading and that's kind of what my Monday through Friday looks like, right? And then on the weekends, I like to do more things outside in nature whether that's taking a hike with my dogs or spending time with friends and family it's when i can enjoy that sense of community during the weekends yeah no i like that i like that so i'm gonna ask you this because i know you're gonna know this answer but how explain to the people who's listening on how important a diet is okay (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) a diet is the most important thing in in your life i i study food i know food and i tell people food is medicine because the amount of sicknesses that you can prevent through food is incredible actually now in the u.s the number one cause of death is heart failures and heart disease which a lot of these things come from obesity diabetes uh, high blood pressure. And if we look at all these things, all these things are preventable, right? We see a, a lot of obesity. The U.S. is number one in obesity in the world. Mm-hmm. And obesity leads to a lot of different sicknesses. It, it leads to stroke. It leads to, um, it can lead to cancer. It can <laughs> lead to, uh, like I said, heart failures. It can lead to a lot of different sicknesses so i think with diet we can prevent a lot of things as well as cure a lot of things for example type 2 diabetes is i i saw someone question me is i type 2 diabetes is reversible right Mm -hmm. so type 2 diabetes we acquire through our diet we you had a bad diet and now you're diabetic so just how you acquired it through your diet you can also reverse it through your diet uh so food is the most important thing 
because in this industry that we live in now, the world that we live in now, the food that we eat kills us. You know, there's enough scientific evidence that shows that packaged foods, like for example, packaged meats, whether it's bacon or turkey or ham, all these things have been connected to cancer, right? So, so while the, the food industry is not good for us. Um, another example is cereal for kids. A lot of these cereals that is given to kids are really high in dyes that actually can really harm a kid at a young age. So the food industry, we have to understand that it's business, right? They, they don't they don't try to take care of us. They don't try to, to take care of us. They don't care about our health. So it's up to us to make that choice. Like, am I just going to eat whatever, everything that they're giving me because it tastes good? Or am I going to be that that 5% that decides to eat naturally, eat better foods for my body that aren't going to kill me, you know? And the thing, it's, it's a problem because sugar is just as addictive as cocaine or as drugs mm -hmm. right yep, yep. and people don't don't people don't realize this like the this industry gives us all these foods that are addictive to us right and like the sugary stuff uh all the cookies the donuts the for latinos the pan dulce all these things are full of sugar and sugar is an addictive substance and so so is fat so sugar and fats are very addictive, which is why people love fast food, because it's very high in fat. And fat is very addictive. So we, the more, when we start to understand that there's an addiction behind these foods and that this is really a problem, then we can start to change these things, right? right. Um, so diet, I think, is the most important thing. We can prevent disease. We can reverse disease, and we will live a more happy and fulfilled life. As as of 2021, life expectancy for men and women has decreased, right? Men are only living up to 77 years old, and women are only living up to 78. Why are people dying so young? True, yeah. It's, it, it's incredible. People are dying so young because of things that are preventable. And as a dietitian, that's like my biggest concern. You know, it's it's one person at a time because I want I want to see my loved ones live for a long time. You know, I want to see the people that I love thrive in life and not be sick on a hospital bed dying for something that could have been prevented by living a healthy lifestyle. Facts. Uh, so, food I think is the most important thing. It, it's not exercise. I will I will say that. They've always said that 80% is your diet, 20% is your physical activity. And physical activity is very, very important. But if you just have a healthy diet, it outweighs the physical activity. No, oh, yeah, I can, so I, I can definitely see that. Yeah, so diet is the most important thing that there is for us. And it helps a lot with your mental health, too. So... A lot of these foods that we eat are depressants. For example, sugar. You get your, you feel really, really good once you eat it, but then you come down and you get sort of a sugar crash, and it it, it clouds your brain. So these foods full of sugar, high in sugar, high in fat, they cloud your judgment. They fog. They give you brain fog. So it even messes with your mental health, right? If we're constantly eating these foods, and not only that, like. The, the actual effect on the food, but the consequences of eating like this, obviously it leads to um, obesity, it leads to being overweight, it leads to a lot of health problems that can also cause you to be in depression and anxiety because a lot of people struggle with their body image, right? No, so yeah, 100%. I think it, it, all, it all correlates back to, it all correlates together, I do think. No, yeah, I, I definitely 100% agree with you because... I know like how like in the UK, you know, when people from America go to the UK and they always be like, oh, wow, these portions are so small here. But the cases, the, the matter of the case is that we're just we get so big of portions here in America. So I want to ask you, how do you feel about 
you know, the portions. And I know that we have stuff banned here. I mean, we have stuff, we eat stuff here that's banned in other countries. So I want to know how you feel yes. about that. Okay. So, yeah, the portions is a very, very big one. Um, what I tell my clients and patients all the time is whether you go out to a restaurant, always eat half of the portion that you're served. Uh, because the thing with portions is our stomachs expand. So they're a smooth muscle that expands or expandable, which is why obesity happens, right? So if we feed our body these extra calories, extra big portions, our body's going to get used to it. And we're going to get used to eating these bigger portions. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the portion that you need. So for here, like I really recommend, I think my biggest recommendation with portions is when you eat out, always eat half of what you are served. That's smart. And then save the and save the other half for later or share share the plate with somebody. You know, you save yourself some money and you're saving your body at the same time. So always I always recommend that and as well as if you do go out to a restaurant, be very careful on what you choose to eat. Right? I I always I always tell people if you get the option to choose a salad as your side instead of the fries, then do that. You know, there there are small simple changes that you can do when eating out that can help you stay a little bit more on track and also not go overboard on the calories because I'll give an example. When you order a burger at a restaurant, you it's usually it has a lot of condiments on it, right? Yep. It has cheese, it has the bread, it has the cheese, it has some sort of sauce on there. Um, it has bacon. It has some of these burgers even have like onion rings on them. So you already have a lot of excess oh, yeah. amount of calories on just one burger. But then you go and you order the fries on the side. And now you probably are surpassing your daily limit of calories just in one meal. Dang, that's so true. And, Dang. and so... You know, that's why I tell people, well, okay, if you order the burger and they give you the option to choose a salad for the side, do it. So then you're not adding, you know, 600 more calories with some french fries on the side. So that's, I, I always like to give that example because it's true, you know, like there, there's a lot of hidden calories when eating out. Uh, the small things we don't see, like the cheese that's added adds a lot of calories. The bacon that's added adds a lot of calories. So it's just a lot of hidden calories in one single meal that maybe we don't pay attention to. So being very uh, aware about the things that we are picking when we do eat out. And as far as things being banned, I uh, I feel very strongly about this because I lived in Mexico for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And... You, I see the food industry there, and I see it here. For example, in Mexico, they have banned uh, colorful cereal boxes for kids, is an example. So as of 2022, uh, manufacturers can no longer put, like, animals or colorful print on cereal boxes because this entices kids to want to buy it. Thanks. And, and so they, you go into a grocery store in Mexico... And all the cereal boxes are dull. Although they don't have any more cartoons on it, like for example, the you know the cornflakes one, the the little tiger that was on there. Yep, yep. They, they took that off of the off the cereal box. They can't have any more cartoons. Anything that entices kids to want to buy these sugary um, foods, they they banned. Another thing that was promoted in Mexico is they put black labels on all the food with these labels say excess amount of sugar excess amount of fat excess amount of calories and they're very big black <laughs> caution signs and they put it on all the things that have these excess amount of things so you go into a gas mm. station in mexico and you see these black labels on chips on on cookies that say excess amount of sugar excess amount of calories caution so they didn't stop the community from doing it, but they, they implemented a strategy so that people would be more aware that these foods are high in fat, these foods are high in calories, these foods are high in sugar, so that people would stop eating it so much. Facts, that's so, smart. So why are other countries trying to save their community, right? Mexico saw that there's, a, there's, 
too much obesity going on. We mm-hmm. have to do something about it. People are dying too much of diabetes. Diabetes is the number one cause of illness now. So type two diabetes, you know, something that is developed because of eating habits. So what did the Mexican government do? They implemented strategies to stop the people from eating so much of the bad things. Um, you know, at, it, they didn't ban it, but at least, hey, we put these big caution signs on it. Now it's up to you to Facts. make that choice. Right. So, and in a lot of countries, they implement a lot of these things. For example, Europe, um, they eat, they give more vegetables in the diet, in like restaurants and there's, and in their daily diet, they, they include more greens. So my debate has always been, why does the U.S. not do anything about it? And it goes back to the U.S. is all money, right? It's all an industry here. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the pharmaceutical business is a huge, huge business. Of course you want people sick. They make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yep. So, so of course you want people to be sick. Of course we're going to kill them through food. People love it here. You just keep building more fast food restaurants. Just keep definitely bringing out bringing out more snacks. Just keep just keep feeding them. And just have people die, and it's, it's sad. It's sad that the government here does nothing to protect their citizens because let's be real, they don't care because mm-hmm. it's all money. It's all money here. Money moves this country. The sad reality of it. It's a great country. It has. It, brought very a lot of blessings in my life and i will never be a hater towards america but the health system needs to better itself and oh yeah they need to care more about people's health you know but sadly that's a whole different subject <laughs> no yeah no yeah no i thought no i 100 percent agree with you like when i was a kid like i was eating cereal all the time and then as i got older i real i like thought about it because I haven't had it in forever. I'm like, damn, I was really just eating a bowl of like diabetes. Like it's so cereal is so bad. And people wonder why their kids are so like so much energy and running around with their heads cut off because they're feeding them right. these type of foods. Right. And this is oh that's a that's another good subject to talk on. Yeah, so with kids and sugar, um, we see a lot of parents very worried about their kids oh my kid has adhd oh my kid is uncontrollable he's too hyperactive he he's angry he's you know he has anger issues he's hitting kids at school all these things are tied to their diet all of them you know if they're eating yeah you're letting your kid eat some cereal you're letting letting your kid eat cookies you're letting your kid eat chips that are really high in fat all these things are clouding these little kids judgment because they're not they're not supposed to be eating these things at such a young age and when you start giving your kids sugar of course they're going to have hyperactive issues and you're going to think you're going to think it's adhd because you're giving him sugar at a young age that his little body can't even process yet right yeah no it, it it's it's really incredible what the diet will do now to people. And, and sadly the diet here is killing us more than helping us live. No, definitely. And like, I do think, I think the whole cereal thing is getting a little bit better. Cause it's so funny because when I walk through um, grocery stores now, the cereal aisles are always stocked full. Like I barely, I rarely see like cereal getting bought now. Is it that, or is there more mass production of it? That is true also. That is true also. So you think, it's like, okay, is it that, or they're just, they're making more and more and more. Dang, (laughs) no, yeah, that's true, dang. Yeah. So, So, you know, with you being a dietitian, I want to ask you, how does it make you feel helping others? Because I know that's probably very important to you. Oh, that is, that is why I do it. Yep. I think, I think on this earth, you know, we get a little piece of heaven and we are called to help others and in every way we're supposed to love our brothers and sisters and love your neighbors. And I think when you help others, it helps you, right? Mm-hmm. I feel so much gratitude and satisfaction being able to help one person. Hey, you may not be changing the world, but one person at a time, you're making an impact. And that is, I think, one of the most rewarding and satisfying things 
in my life. I think being able, able to do something selfless and being able to help those around you is truly incredible. It's helped my mental health so much to be able to help others and, you know, help others find their path in their healthy way of living. It's, it's rewarding for sure. It, it helps, it, it helps keep me going, you know, even on mm -hmm. the days because it, depression and anxiety and these things will always be there. We're human. We have to understand that we live in a world full of hurt. There's so much bad things going on around us all the time that we're bound to feel sad. Sometimes we're bound to, um, feel depressed some days, but I think having that, I'm helping others keeps me going every day. It gives you purpose. It really does. Uh, it really does. And see, like for you, like it's, you help others through this podcast and it's giving you purpose, you know? So oh, yeah. helping others, I think is the most beautiful thing you can do in this world. And I really encourage people to help others, whether it's volunteering at a local food, food shelter, whether it's going out of your way and helping making some sandwiches to go feed the homeless. Whatever you want to do to help others, it's really rewarding. And if you're struggling with depression, it, I think it really helps. When you do something for others besides yourself, it fills you with joy and happiness. No, I 100% agree. Like you said, that's one of the main reasons why I started this uh, podcast, because I went through some things back then. And now I kind of started this podcast to help others and have them not go through what I went through and try to help them. I can't, the only thing I can do is give them the guidance, but people have to apply it. So my goal is to have someone, whoever listens to any of my episodes, at least take one thing from the episode and actually carry it in their heart because that's, that's truly how I feel about these podcasts, just helping others. Exactly. And I think it's a beautiful thing what you're doing. You know, like I said, it's not changing the world, but that if you help one person, you're making a difference. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that, too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but I've heard you I heard you bring up, you know, God a lot. And I'm I'm a Christian. So and I so I love to hear about that. So I want to know when you found God. OK, so. Oof, that's, that's a long <laughs> that's a long story, but hey, it's all good. I, I have always known of God. My parents, uh, you know, have always, they were, they knew God, but they weren't always like on a godly path. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just kind of always a wishy-washy relationship because I saw my parents that now they are very devoted Christians and I thank God for that. Um, but at one point, like I never saw that commitment with God and it was never really forced onto me. So it was just always kind of a wishy-washy relationship with God. But about five years ago, I went through a very, very hard time with substance abuse. And, um, you know, this, these worldly things that get to you, uh, depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. stress, um, substance abuse. It's, uh, it's really sad because people turn to that sadly because of depression and anxiety and all these other things. So I really struggled with substance abuse to the point where I had an overdose. And oh, wow. that led me to, um, I was in a coma for, for a while. And I remember when I woke up, there was a pastor uh, right there at the door. And he was like, can I pray for you? And like I said, God always sends people <laughs> into your life. No, yeah, definitely. One way, one, one way or another, he's always protecting you with angels. And those angels are humans around you, you know? And so he sent a pastor into the room when I woke up and he was like, can I pray for you? And I said, absolutely. And he left me with a Bible. So when I was in the hospital, it was kind of the beginning of COVID. So I couldn't have any visitors. I couldn't have a cell phone and I couldn't talk to anyone. And so he left me with the Bible and for the, remainder five days that I was so hospitalized after I woke up I was reading the bible nonstop. that was the only I had nothing else no <laughs> it yeah was just me. it was just God me, like me and the bible that's all I had and so when I got out of the hospital I made the decision to rebaptize. and after I rebaptized, that was kind of 
the changing point for me, right? Because I made a, I made a conscious decision to follow God. But with that, I knew came a lot of sacrifice. It, and it wasn't easy because I still like to party. I still like to do the things that I did, whether it was drugs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked God, I was like, Lord, I, I can't, I can't leave these things. Like why I gave myself to you. I baptized, I feel better, but I still am holding on to these things that I know are causing my, my mental health to deteriorate that are still causing me so much pain. And so it was put in my heart to leave the country. And that is when I went to Mexico and I decided to study again. Um, so God put it in my heart to leave, to just hit restart. You know, the, the drug issues in the, in America are very high. Mm-hmm. And I w- and I was very afraid that whether I left the state, whether I left to a different place, they were going to keep finding me because drug the drug industry is so big right in here, like in America, oh, yeah. everywhere. It's everywhere. It's, you can't escape it. And in my thought process at that point, I was like, I have to escape it because I can't, for myself, I can't stop. I am, I am an addict. I think that was the biggest thing I had to accept. I am an addict and I have a problem. And so for me, I said, well, if I leave the country, I can't be doing this in a different country. I might get killed. No, yeah, facts, though. <laughs> so, so I don't recommend that for everyone. You know, I, I went extreme because I thankfully have the family and the resources to leave to Mexico. Um, but I definitely, I, I had to I had to escape. I had to escape it. And when I was over there, that's when I met the lady I was talking about earlier that she put planted that seed into my head, like, hey, like, why don't you study this? And my plan was to go over there. I am also a, a cosmopologist. So my plan was to start a business out there with, with hair or makeup or whatever. So it was never even in my plan to do what, I'm, what I do now. But I left and that was kind of, a new beginning for me. I enrolled into a Christian private university where I was able to connect with more people that love God and were on this journey with God. And the more I seeked him, the more those urges and those desires for drugs and for alcohol started to go away. And so it's been five years now it's not perfect you know you have a lot of ups and downs we live in a world that's full of sin yeah but it's a daily commitment that i make because my life with god is so much more beautiful than the life i was living before that and to a lot of people they might hear that and be like what there's no way like i i had everything in when i was doing drugs i had money i had nice cars you know i had european luxury cars i was living in a penthouse suite at 19 years old i was invited to the best parties i was vip everywhere like to a lot of people that might be like you made it yes like that fast money yeah like you have money you have this you have that you have the designer but yet i was so empty i was i was so depressed I was so unhappy and you know now I look back and I'm like I thought I had everything but truly I was missing everything (laughs) no no I feel that 100% I know exactly what you mean yeah and like now my life is so peaceful it's so filled with joy it's filled with contentment and happiness sure I may not be driving the luxury cars anymore and all that stuff but I am so at peace with where I am and helping others and filled with happiness all around me and that comes from that beautiful relationship with God and surrendering yourself and like I said I think with being Christian sometimes the misconception is oh she's perfect oh she's she's just too good for everyone oh she thinks she's better because she doesn't do these things and I don't and it's not that, absolutely not. I think that the most important thing is realizing that we're going to mess up, but there is someone that loves us so profoundly and that his love is so perfect 
and he accepts us how we are and he fills us with so much blessings when we do decide to follow him and we don't follow like you don't follow God because you expect something out of him right you follow God because of his love because of who he is and because you see the miracles he does in people's lives and and the beauty he brings into life he he makes black and white into color Mm -hmm. so but with following him you you start to make wiser decisions you you get that holy spirit speaking to you and and now you're able to make decisions that are god oriented and making these decisions that are god oriented leads you leads you to living a better and beautiful fulfilled life so i think that's what comes with it you know i the decisions maybe i used to make aren't the same ones now because i from before i make decisions now it's i talk to god and if it's feels wrong you start getting those intuitions this isn't the path i have to go on you start listening to god and he starts putting in your heart where you're supposed to go where he's leading you and it leads you to beautiful things no i 100 so, agree yeah so i've been on my path for for like five years now and it hasn't been easy like i said i think understanding that we're gonna mess up sometimes is important but getting back up and you know, asking for forgiveness and asking for him to keep strengthening your faith is very important. Oh, yeah. But I do, I do think that living a life with God is the best decision anyone can make. And it doesn't matter what religion you go into as long as you have that faith. Faith is, has been proven to give you more years of life, having faith in something, whether that is with God, whether that is if you are... Um, Muslim, whether you are a Buddhist, it, it's your faith that keeps you going. Right, right. I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. And it's actually crazy how you, when you spoke about, you know, you were having all these good things going for you, but you still felt empty. It's be, and I felt that exact same thing was, I used to make music a couple of years ago, and uh, I'm doing shows, I'm partying, you know, I'm getting all the clout on Instagram, all that dumb stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, wow, like, this is like, this is what I wanted. Like, I mean, life is going good. It's going crazy. But whole time behind closed doors, I, I was still feeling empty just as you. So it was so crazy that mm-hmm. you say that because I went through that exact same thing with, with the music side of it. I'm thinking everything is going jolly. Everything is going good. But whole time I'm like just fighting demons on the inside. And I'm just, and I got out of it. And just my peace of mind now is just, I'm I'm just so glad to be away from be away from. I even hate when people like bring up the old the old me or whatever because I'm like exit that out your memory because I cannot deal with that no more. It just so when you said that, I actually thought about that. I'm like, wow, that is that is crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's um when you live a life without God, it comes with a lot of pain. It comes with a lot of emptiness. It comes with a lot of bad things you know because you're making decisions human decisions not godly decisions so and sadly our decisions lead us to a lot of bad consequences a lot of the times oh no because we're not yeah because we're making decisions that aren't good for us you know no facts facts we're just kind of going by life like uh maybe i'll do this maybe i'll do that like but we don't even know what direction we're heading in so god gives you direction and he gives you a he gives you a clear path on what you're supposed to be doing, and he gives you peace. Oh yeah, what I know, he, he works in mysterious ways. <laughs> no, 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 so, most definitely. I definitely get that. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's just crazy that you said that. I was like, wow. I was, when you were talking, about, I was just thinking. I'm like, damn, I went through something so similar to that. Yeah. But I, I want to talk. You know, you brought up the substance abuse. Do you are you comfortable with talking about that at all? Absolutely. Okay, so what you think started like the whole substance abuse? Um, for me, so I had always smoked marijuana. Uh, marijuana, I people say it's not a gateway drug, but I do believe it is now. Oh and yeah. I used to I, I used to be a very big advocate for marijuana and. Um, I used to defend it with everything, you know. I gave our, I gave scientific arguments about its benefits, about how good it is, how it's not addictive, but truly it is addictive. 
um, you get addicted to the feeling of feeling good. Oh yeah. Maybe the subs, the, maybe the substance in itself isn't addictive, but you get addicted to the feeling, and so it still creates addiction within you. Um, so marijuana, I, I had always done that for my stress. It helped de-stress me. It helped with my anxiety. Um, I thought it gave me peace. I thought it made me calm. But I went through a very hard life uh, crisis with a lot of pain and a, and a lot of depression, and it became that marijuana was no longer enough to help with that depression. So what do you do when it's not enough? Well, you go and try other things, right? And so what I did was, okay, marijuana, like it's not doing anything to me anymore. Like I, I don't even feel it, it's effect anymore. I'm so depressed, like, and so someone offered me cocaine and it was instant. Wow, like I felt amazing. I felt happy. I felt all of it, all the pain go away. Mm-hmm. All my depression went, all my depression went away. I felt amazing. I felt invincible. I was, I thought I could conquer the world. That is the feeling that drugs give you. Oh yeah. It, 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 it's, it's really, and I used to think like before I tried it, I was like, I would never do that. Like, no, I'm good with just weed. Like I, I'm fine. Like, and then you try it and then you understand right and then you understand why people get so addicted to it because that feeling is like you're on cloud nine you're you feel like i said invincible you feel like you're floating you feel so happy and and it takes away it takes away all the pain so why wouldn't you keep doing it right no yeah Um, yeah. and so for me it started at parties i would do it at parties and it would just be at parties um and for a while, it was just like that. But then it wasn't just at parties, right? Then it was, oh, I want to do it every day. Kind of, I took it like weed instead of weed. Well, the weed isn't doing anything for me anymore. Well, well, I'll do a line a day. I'll be fine, mm-hmm. right? And that's, and that's how it starts. Like, And then it's not just cocaine. Then it's like, okay, I already tried this. Now I'll try something else. Um, now I'll try Xanax. Now I'll try Percocets. Um, well, now I'm too high off this stuff. I'm going to take some lean to bring me down a little bit. You know? No, like, right. It's, it's all, it's like a domino effect. Yep, yep. Drugs. You start with one and you go to another when that one's not enough. And you keep going and you keep going. And the thing with drugs is they're so addictive. They, they create such a high in your brain that you crave it. You know, and and some people might might sit here and be like, nah, I just do it once in a while, like I'm fine. But even needing it to go out to party is an addiction. Oh because yeah. The moment the moment that you can't party without it, you're already addicted to it. Like, oh, I only do it once in a while when I go to a party. Yeah, but you can't have fun without it. So what does that tell you? It's still an addiction. Oh <laughs> no, know? facts, like, facts. Um. So for me, the substance abuse was a very big thing for like two years of my life. And it was very consuming. I remember like some, I don't, like I look back and I'm like, why would I keep doing that? Like, I remember one day it was probably the worst day. It was a couple, it was probably a couple weeks before I overdosed that I was just so high off cocaine. And I was like, I was so paranoid. I couldn't even go outside because I thought everyone was looking at me. And I like went into my room and I was just sitting in the corner, like hearing voices. I was going crazy. Dang. I was I was going absolutely crazy. I was just in the corner of my beautiful penthouse apartment, like like going crazy. No, <laughs> like, that's, yeah, that's crazy. Not life. That's not life. That is torture. That is hell on earth. You know, like I, I looked around me and I was like. I have everything, but I'm so lost. No, <laughs> and yeah. I have that feeling, you know? And the thing is, with drugs, is they're so easy to get caught up in them because I, I get it. They're all around us, and now, like, all your friends do it. You don't want to, you don't want to feel like the outcast. You don't, for a long time, I struggled with that because all my friends were doing it, and I was trying to stop, and that's why I had to get away because people would tell me oh now you're boring you know you sometimes you let the exterior noise get the best of you definitely um 
and so yeah drugs are drugs are very sad no <laughs> yeah so i i get i get where people come from because after trying them like you understand that high that it gives you you understand the the pain that it takes away and the sad thing is like a lot of people do drugs because they're in pain and maybe they don't even know they're in pain but they have past traumas childhood traumas that they're trying to maybe not even think about and they disguise it with weed they disguise it with um doing drugs they disguise it with alcohol like a lot of the substance abuse when you like it so much is because you have things that you need to work out work on in internally and like i see this true for a lot of men right a lot of men um like to drink a lot of men like to um do drugs and smoke a lot and and it's true for men and women but for men um i think it's especially harder because the man is supposed to be strong the man is supposed the man is supposed to be the leader he is supposed to be the provider he is he can't be seen weak so what do a lot of men do? They have men have trauma just as much as women have trauma. They, they men deal with mental health just as much as women do. Oh yeah. And, but but society makes it that men can't be weak. Men can't men can't do this. And a lot of men instead of you know going to therapy or trying to figure out their traumas, what do they do? They start drinking every all, every day. They start drinking on the weekends, getting wasted. They smoke weed all the time instead of like trying to get to that root problem that's causing them this this codependence on something, right? Because it is a codependence that you create and you feel good because you have things that you need to work on. Because I will tell you something, the, the minute I started fixing my mental health issues, the minute I started figuring out the root of my problems and working on them, these I tried to smoke again, and it just—it didn't even feel the same. Yep, and it hit the same. I was like, it, it, I was like, eh, like I'm just high, but like I'm not like what? Like I don't even understand like why I'm high right now. Like <laughs> no, yeah. It—it it, it, it didn't give me the same effect because I was no longer in pain. I was no longer trying to hide something or 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 suppress a feeling with it, right? Yep. But when when I was struggling with depression, when I was struggling with stress and anxiety, this weed would bring me so much relief, right? So so you start to think, like I start to analyze, it's like, okay, so we're doing it because we have so many issues and these drugs, these substances, alcohol, whatever, it's giving us relief. And that's why people get so addicted because it makes them feel good. But if we start to do things that... Uh, like natural endorphins that help us feel good, then we wouldn't need so much of these things. So true. But it, but but it's it's a struggle because, like I said, for society, like a lot of men will never be okay with going to therapy. A lot of men will never be okay with having to be weak. You know, they just a lot of men will just rather hide it. Oh yeah, a lot um, a lot do a lot a lot of men are taught you know quote unquote don't be soft type of thing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't, a lot of men don't like talking about it. And that's another reason why I started this podcast is to bring that out of people. I've just with this podcast and talking and talking to different type of men. And I, I brought that out of them and I'm just like, and like a lot of them would, I would always get like texts or people see me in public and be like, bro, like I really like your mental, like your podcast helped me out a lot. And I, I love hearing that cause that's the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So substance abuse, I think, is very real. I think that addiction is very real. Even, like I said, even some people don't think they're, they have an addiction, but the moment that you even needed to go out with your friends to feel good and have a good time, it becomes an addiction. Um, because in reality, like, I go out with my friends, I have an incredible time, I dance, I laugh without needing any of it. And I feel just as good as when I would drink alcohol and go out to dance. And that's what it should be know? about. That's what definitely should be about. Yeah, that's that's the goal. But it all starts with your mental health because if we're, if we're weak in our minds, then we're bound to keep doing these things. So, yeah, like I said, mental health is so important because it leads to a lot of different things. 
it, it deteriorates your, your spiritual health, it deteriorates your physical health, and it weakens your mind. And when your mind is weak, you are ran by emotion and not by clarity. Yep. A weak mind is a weak body. Exactly. Exactly. So when you're so how long was the stint where you were uh using all these substances? So marijuana I was using it for about ten years. Um that had always been like my thing, I guess. Like I said, I had a lot of childhood trauma. I had a lot of um just internal battles that I was always facing and marijuana just always made brought me peace it brought me calmness and I, I used to defend it a lot I would say but I'm like uh an act like I am a proactive smoker I, it didn't stop me from doing my day-to-day things I would go to work I would still make money like I was like but it's not doing anything bad in my life you know I'm still being successful I'm still working I'm still making money like it's not bad for me right like I would kind of excuse it um and for other drugs, I was only doing it for two years because, like I said, I kind of went through a really, really hard time in my life. And I started, I, marijuana just wasn't enough at that point. And so I started doing really heavy drugs for about two years until I had that overdose and kind of changed me. And even after I rebaptized, I was still struggling with marijuana for a while. So I was still smoking. Um, I was like, okay, well, I left everything else behind, God. Uh, we won't do anything. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, you know, I, everything else, like, I left all the bad hardcore ones, like, but weed is fine. Like, I'm still going to school. I'm being successful. I'm still doing the things that I have to do. And I would even say, like, oh, it's making me, like, very creative. It's helping me finish my assignments. It's like, I would make any excuse to make it okay. Oh, yeah. And that's how, like, like now that I am in a better place, I look back and it's like, I was just making excuses. I was addicted. I was still addicted to it, you know? No, definitely. I, 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 I like the feeling of it. Um, and I think for me, my hardest one was marijuana because I, I used it a lot for a very long time. And I made so many excuses for it that I, I truly started to believe that it wasn't bad for me. But I, I got to the point where... I realized that I was using it to cover up negative emotions. So instead of feeling sad or feeling stressed, I would smoke. And it would instantly, like I said, it brings you relief. It would instantly bring me relief. And when I finally realized that, I was like, no, I need to deal with my emotions sober. Because I have never dealt with my emotions without this like every time i feel like I, I have not allowed myself to feel stressed i have not allowed myself to feel sad i just smoke and it all goes away and that's not healthy um so it, it came to a, it, it, i had to reach a level of maturity to see that um and i and realized that i'm using this to cover up anything bad in my life and that is not okay and at, at first it was very hard because every time like I would get stressed, I, I would crave it. I'd be like, I don't want to feel this stress right now. I just want to smoke a joint and make it all go away. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, but the more that now that I haven't been doing it for a while, it feels good dealing with those emotions. It feels good having mental clarity and not and not being judged by, um, not like judge, but having that mental clarity and being able to deal with your emotions like you as a person. You feel so much stronger doing it. Like, I thought I was never going to leave. I was. I thought I was never going to be able to leave marijuana behind. I thought I was, this was my life, and you know what? It doesn't affect me. I'll be fine. And it's very hard because a lot of my friends are doctors. They're... Um, very successful business owners and they would smoke so you, you kind of see that and you you become comfortable oh yeah because the pe- the people around you accept you for who you are and I would see like my friends they're very successful super successful and they all smoke weed so like you start to think well there's nothing wrong with it like they're successful and they still smoke um so like really it's like is there anything bad with it you know but 
I, I will say, like, I don't demonize it because that would be very hypocritical of me. But I do think that the moment you start to use it for covering up your emotions and covering up what you're supposed to be feeling sober, then it becomes a problem. And I will say this, like, truthfully, like, with my friends, they are very successful, but I see that they use marijuana to de-stress. Oh, yeah. Because they use it like, oh, I've had a lot, like, a long week, a lot of meetings, a lot of work. I'm just going to smoke a joint to relax, right? But there's a lot of, so then that's when I realized, like, that's a problem. Because why aren't we doing other things to relax ourselves? Why aren't I going on a walk and meditating? Why aren't I going to help others to help me relax? Why aren't why aren't I like going to a church? Like, why am I not taking a warm bath and listening to like my favorite music? Why am I not going to work out instead of, you know, using these things to help us relax? There's so many other ways to decompress to to feel good than to finding the easy way and smoking a joint and feeling relaxed. So I think it is an issue when we use it to cover up our emotions that we're meant to feel sober. And I think it's healthy feeling these emotions. Um, so yeah, I think marijuana is a very big one because people don't see negative negativity connected to it. But I think a lot of people use it for the same thing, to relax. And, and I think that's a problem for sure. People need to understand that this is this is not what drugs. You shouldn't be doing drugs to relax yourself. You should find healthy alternatives to make, give you that same sensation. For me, it's been running. <laughs> running gives me that same high that I would get when I smoked, and it gives me so much more satisfaction because every time I want to smoke, I go on a run, and each time I try to run more and more and more. Yeah. And and this gives me that same adrenaline. It gives me that same high that I feel amazing. And I feel so much more satisfied. Like, wow, I didn't think I could run that fast. Like, I did it. And then I'm so tired out and relaxed that I just go to take a nice warm shower and go to sleep after. No, and facts. It's the, best sleep of my, it's the best sleep of my life. You it know? really do be. Yeah, no, it really do be. So there are other ways to relax and decompress. So that's when I realized, okay, no, God, this is not... This is not good for me. People are just using it to, as a medication, as per se, to feel better and to help me. And like a lot of people would be like, oh, it helps me sleep at night. You know, when there's like natural things that you can take like magnesium to help you sleep at night. So, um, yeah, I think that drugs is also a very, very big problem around us. But I think that people need to understand like there's always help. Maybe you don't want to go to a therapist but you can go to a church you can you know i'm sure they can contact you if you can if you want to put my number out there people can contact me like there's a lot of there's a lot of help out there and and if people want help with it like they they need to know that there there is a way out and there's a light at the end of the tunnel for substance abuse no definitely not. and i will definitely drop like your socials and all that in the description if people want to reach out for Definitely. And I was actually just, I was literally just, it's funny how you say that because I was just about to ask you 
when you were going through like the whole substance abuse, I'm guessing what was keeping you in that is because you were hanging out with the wrong crowd. Mm-hmm. So, so how important was that for you to cut out all the the people who you didn't want to surround yourself with anymore? Um, that was, it was important, but it was very, very hard. Yep. I, re- I remember I had to delete social media for a while. I was off social media for about two years because I just, I couldn't. Um, people would ask me, invite me out. And it's that fear of missing out, right? You lose I think it's scary. For me, it was very scary that I was about to lose a lot of friends. I was going to lose a lot of people in my life because of this decision that I made. And in that moment, it was terrifying. Um, and for I, I, I think it'd be even scarier, right, if that's where you're from and that's where you continue to leave. For me, it was a little bit easier because I just left and restarted at a new place. But while I was still in Minnesota and doing these changes it was very hard because you felt lonely I felt lonely and I felt isolated and I felt like God like I'm all alone you know I don't have anybody (laughs) no yeah but I think but I think understanding that the real people in your life will continue to love you and if they don't then they were never your friends you know if you if if you want to stop and make changes and these people stop being your friends for it they're, they were never your friends. And, I agree. And like I said, I, I saw that the people that were partying and that I was hanging out around, like, yeah, maybe they made a little bit of money, but they weren't the level of success that I wanted in my life. You know, I want, I, I, I still desire to be very successful in my, my, my professional side and in all aspects of my life. So I realized that by hanging out with these people, I was limiting myself and I was limiting my growth. And that was very important to me. My, my growth was always something that was very, very important to me. So I think that change that like some of my friends still remain my friends till this day, even though I made those changes. And I'm very thankful because I realized those are my true friends and the ones that left, well, God removed them for a reason, and they were never my friends, and it's probably for the best that they aren't in my life anymore. Yep. And and now surrounding myself by people that like the same things that I do, they go to church, they hang out, and go to dinner, and go dancing, but without having to drink alcohol, without having to, um, you know, do drugs to feel good, like, that is what I wanted in my life, so... I, I found a crowd, and the thing is, like, God, you have to, like, whether you are a believer or not, God loves you, and God looks out for each and every one of us, each and every one of us, he loves us all the same, um, equally, and so he will always, when you make a positive decision in your life, just know you're not alone, and he will always put people in your path, like, for a long time, I thought, oh, I'm not gonna have friends, like, I'm just, it had been a couple months. Like, I was like, oh, I don't talk to anyone. I don't hang out with anyone. It's just me and my dog. Like, this is kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> I don't have I don't have everyone, anyone. I'm just kind of hanging out with my dog all the time. But I was patient. I was patient. And the time came where I started to meet. I met one of my best friends now. And she was so positive. And she, she started inviting me out to coffee dates. And, hey, let's go look at the sunsets. Hey, let's go out to eat. And she introduced me to more friends and, and and it all started to come to put itself into place. So, so being patient with the process of it, just know like, yes, when you make a a hard decision, it might be hard at, at the beginning, but when you make positive decisions, you are blessed. Um, God blesses you abundantly when he sees you trying to choose the right path. And he will, he will never neglect you, and he will never leave you for ransom and to be on your own. He will always make sure that you're okay, and he will start blessing you with other people in your life and, you know, blessing you with the people that you need and so that you can grow and become better. So it was, it was very hard at first, um, losing a lot of people and, you know, feeling lonely and feeling like I had nobody 
and I would just talk with my dogs and my family. Like it was, it was very isolating at first, but I was patient. I stuck, I stuck to it. And like now I have a lot of friends that are amazing people that I'm very grateful to have. And I have been blessed with a community that likes to do the things that I like to do. And they're even more successful than the people I used to think were successful. So, you know, just being patient and knowing that, yeah, when you make hard decisions, it might be hard at first, but you have a purpose and a plan. And when you choose to be better, you will be blessed with better. Definitely. I like that. I like that. And I'm going to ask you this. What is one thing that you can say that you can leave the crowd with for someone that's listening to you that they can hold on to? Um, for me, I think I would say keep going. Keep going and don't don't hold on to the past. Let go of all those things that are burdening you. Let go of all those things that are causing your heart pain. If it's not in your control, just let it go. And it's not about being perfect. It's not about, you know, making huge changes overnight. But as long as you focus on one thing and every day you wake up and you make that cautious decision to become better, you will you will do great things in life. But willingly look to become better. You know, self-evaluate on the things that you are lacking. Self-evaluate on the things that you could better within yourself, whether that's physically, mentally, or spiritually, self-evaluate and and make one small change to better one of those things. And do that daily. One small change daily leads to big changes in the future. So that's what I would leave people with. Sure, I like that, I like that. Well, any last words for you, Anna, or any shout outs you wanna do? No shout outs, but thank you all for thank you all for listening. And like I said, if people want to talk, I have an amazing um, community that we send daily motivational things um, through WhatsApp. So if anyone wants to contact me, you can leave my uh, social media, and they can hit me up. And I would gladly add people to this community. It's a very big community where we just encourage people and uplift each other. And so just know that you're not alone and that there will always be people, you know, in your corner and that if you have nobody, just know you have God. So that, that would be the last thing I would say. No, you're good. I want to thank you for coming on, you know, taking the time out your day, sharing your, your journey, which is incredible. And I'm, I'm glad you got to transform your life like that. That's actually really good. Thank you. And thank you so much for all the work that you're putting into this podcast and for what you're doing for others i think it's incredible and i encourage you to keep going and you know it might be not, it might not be easy every time but just keep going and know that i know god will bless you and do amazing things in your life for all the work that you're putting out so. definitely i appreciate that i appreciate that yeah. it was nice talking to you and i hope everyone has a beautiful day you too as well anna you take care right. yeah you too bye this is the Walk It Talk It podcast. Make sure you walk it like you talk it. I'm your boy, Xavier Walker, and I'm out. Peace. You walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Woo. Walk it like I talk it. Hey.